Well, good morning once again, everybody. How many of you got here an hour early this morning? Anybody? <laughs> I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, uh, I hope you're doing well. Uh, once again, there's so many things that are, that are taking place right now, so many good things. Uh, the biggest thing to remember this morning is that next Sunday is Friendsgiving. So I hope you've been uh, already praying and absolutely decided upon who you're going to be bringing to Friendsgiving. And, uh, and be sure and register for Friendsgiving. Uh, you can do that this morning before you leave out in the lobby. So if you have not already signed up, please be sure and do that. Uh, we need to have a count uh, by tomorrow uh, for how many plan to be here for the lunch uh, next Sunday. It's going to be such a, a special, special day together. Uh, we have uh, reading partners that are out in the lobby this morning as well. It's a wonderful, wonderful way of, of ministering to children, that, uh, particularly those that, that are struggling so, so deeply as a result of the pandemic and school being shut down for a period of time, and that so much has been lost in terms of reading skills. And so it's an, it's an opportunity to come alongside children and help with that. So if you'd like to know more about reading partners, be sure and check that out before you leave this morning. <clears throat> Well, there are, are so many uh, amazing people in the Old Testament, uh, throughout God's Word, but in the Old Testament that God worked in and through in such incredible ways, uh, perhaps none more so than the person of Moses. Remember Moses, was, you can read beginning in Exodus chapter 3, Moses was, was called by God from that burning bush to deliver the Israelites from their 400 years, of, over 400 years of slavery in Egypt, 400 years in bondage, to lead them out of Egypt and to lead them to the long-awaited promised land, the land that had been promised to them going all the way back to Abraham. Now, I love the story of Moses because I, I find there is so much encouragement there. But as you read the story of Moses, I, I, I personally just cannot believe how difficult it must have been for him to deal with the stress of leading those people in that process. I mean, it's one thing to face down the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, but it was a whole other thing to have to face down his own people as they griped and grumbled and complained every step along the way as they began their journey to the promised land. Now, one of those occasions was when they needed water. They found themselves desperately thirsty, and the, and the people, again, began to grumble, complain, and gripe. And they, they accused Moses of actually you know, dragging them away from Egypt to bring them out into the desert to kill them. And as they got angrier and angrier with their thirsty, what do you call, is that thangry? Is that what that's, that's called? But as they, got, as they got angrier and angrier with their, thirst, with their thirst, they began to even threaten to kill Moses. And so at that point, Moses spoke to the people and gave them a very stern warning and then he turned to God and said, help, <laughs> what am I supposed to do with these people? They're even threatening to stone me to death. And God said to Moses, go and stand at that rock. And there must have been some very distinct, huge boulder right at the foot of Mount Sinai. Go and stand at that rock before the people. Take your staff the staff with which you struck the Nile River when it turned to blood. Take your staff and strike the rock, and I will bring water from that rock. 
Well, that's exactly what Moses did, and that's exactly what God did. I mean, water poured from that rock like it was some enormous, huge water main break. People's thirst was quenched, thoroughly satisfied. I mean, here they were amidst all their doubts and questions and threats, and God abundantly provided, just as he did throughout the 40 years that they ended up wandering around in the wilderness before they finally went into the promised land. Well, some 1,400 years later, at the time of Christ, Israelites were still celebrating God's provision and protection during those 40 years in the wilderness. In fact, they do the same thing today, as a matter of fact. But one of the most important ways that they did that was through the biggest feast of the year called the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, one of the unusual things they did during the Feast of Tabernacles was to honor the fact that their their ancient ancestors had spent so much time walking through the desert and living in tents. And so during the eight days of the feast, people would come from all over Israel to Jerusalem, and they would, live, they would build little temporary structures, little small tabernacles, if you will, and live inside those structures during that eight-day period, eight days of the feast. Well, an, another feature of, the, of the, the, this amazing feast was that at the beginning of each and every day, each day, they memorialized God's provision of water from the rock. Now, what would happen is that early in the morning before any other sacrifices were presented in the temple, a priest would take a golden goblet and walk the, some 70 yards down to the Pool of Siloam, which, you, by the way, you can still visit today, and take that golden goblet and dip it into the water, fill it up, and begin to make his way back up to the temple. Now, people would line his path on both sides all the way back up to the temple. And as he walked with the water, the people would, re would recite Isaiah 12, 3, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And then once he arrived back at the temple at the altar, the priest would take the water and pour it out as a libation of thanksgiving for God's provision of water in the past year. This was taking place at harvest time. They were celebrating the fact that God had provided enough water to bring in such a great harvest. It was also a libation of thanksgiving in anticipation of God providing water for the coming year. And it was also in remembrance of God providing water from that rock. Again, each and every morning this would happen. And then on the final morning, on the final morning, before pouring that water on, in, on the, upon, upon the altar there, the priest would circle the altar seven different times, just as the Israelite ancestors had circled the city of Jericho seven times. And as he was doing this, as this was taking place, the Levite, a Levite choir would sing what was called the Hallel. It was uh, uh, six different, the words from six different psalms. And as they were singing those psalms, all the people would be standing, waving their palm branches toward the altar. And then they would get to the last verse of, last verse of, of, of Psalm 118, and everybody would shout in unison together, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. I mean, it was the climactic moment of the feast. And it must also have been the very moment that John tells us in his gospel, chapter 7, 
on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, and as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not yet been given because since, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. In other words, he had not yet returned to heaven after the resurrection. Now, typically, when a rabbi spoke, he would sit down, but not on this occasion. The Lord Jesus, with a great sense of urgency, knowing that the crucifixion looms in just less than six months ahead of him, stands and shouts those words because he is looking out at a people who are thinking about rain for their crops. They're thinking about water for their bodies. And yet he sees a people who are desperately thirsty in their soul. Jesus says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Did you know that your body is 80% water? Remember that from biology? No, I'm 200 pounds exactly, just weighed this morning. (laughs) And what that means is that I'm standing before you as 160 pounds of fluid. I'm like a a walking water balloon. (laughs) So be careful on your way out. You don't poke me too hard because it could get really messy. (laughs) We need all that water because almost all the major systems in our bodies depend upon it. I mean, your body needs water to to help regulate the temperature within your body, to lubricate your your joints, to to deliver oxygen and nutrients to your cells. Uh, You can go without water, you can go without food for several weeks, but you can only go without water for a few days. That's why we all understand thirst, right? I mean, it's part of God's creative design. It, It reminds us to drink water to stay hydrated. Your body demands it. It demands water. That's why you get thirsty. Your thirst tells you to drink. Because if you're not drinking water, your body will let you know that. It it starts to go haywire. You, 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 You get dry mouth, you get headaches, you get muscle cramps, and various and sundry other things that are not so pleasant to talk about. When your body is being deprived of the necessary fluids that it needs, it has all those different ways of telling you about it. But what about your souls? Are there any signals that are given to you by your soul to let you know that your soul is dry? Well, sure it does. Sure it does. You know, I... Everyone experiences difficult days. Everyone has struggles. That's just going to be a part of life. That's going to happen. But there are signals such as hopelessness, constant anxiety, loneliness, sleeplessness, irritability, bitterness, anger, resentment, all symptoms of deep 
soul thirst. So what do you do with soul thirst? What do you do when your soul is thirsty? What did Jesus say? If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. So is that where you go? Is that where you go? Because for many people, their first go-to is, is not to Jesus. It's to themselves. Oh, I can handle this. I can handle this. Well, let me ask. If, if, when you get physically thirsty, let's say you've been out working in the, in the yard for hours on a hot summer day, and, and you're just getting ready to come back in. I mean, do you start telling yourself, I don't need any water. I'm going to get through this without any water. I don't need it. Don't want it. Water. <laughs> It's just a crutch for weaklings. You know? Water's for wimps. No, that is not how we respond to physical thirst, is it? We drink. We drink. But that's exactly how so many people respond to spiritual thirst, the thirsty souls. Well, I'm going to get through this. Don't need any spiritual hydration. By golly, I'm going to dig deep. I'm going to plow right on through this. I mean, it's as though some kind of metal can be earned, you know, that, that has inscribed on it, I don't need Jesus. But that's completely contrary to how God made us. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 11, the Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. See, that's God's plan. He created you with a soul, and he planned that God the Son, Jesus Christ, would come into this world to be the living water that your soul desperately needs. So why don't we treat our soul like we treat our body? The reason why for some, as I said, is simply that fierce self-dependence and stubbornness that keeps them dry. But tragically, others don't consider themselves qualified to come to him. But Jesus doesn't say, come to me only if you're qualified. Come to me only if you have earned it. <laughs> Absolutely not. The water that Jesus offers is free. His invitation is wide open. He says, let anyone, anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. I mean, you can step just outside the, the, the sanctuary here, and, and just outside these doors, you'll find a water fountain there where you can drink just as much refreshing water as you possibly can at absolutely no charge. Why not freely gulp down the soul-quenching living water that Jesus Christ offers? Well, maybe you're thinking at this point, okay, I know how to get a drink of water into my body. I know how to drink from my body, but how do I get a drink into my soul? I mean, how does that happen? Well, actually, Jesus answers that question in the same breath. Again, he says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. In other words, the answer is drink Jesus. What water does for the body, Jesus does the same for your soul. We moved into our, our current home <clears throat> some 12 years ago, and for the first few years, we had this strange leak, strange water leak. 
It appeared to be coming from the, the light switch that was, as you stepped from the garage into the house, that was on, the, on, the, on the, the side of the wall right there as you stepped into the house. That's where it appeared to be coming from. But I, I took the, the, the plate off, I, I looked inside, and I couldn't see anything. Couldn't see anything. <clears throat> and the leak would come and go. I mean, sometimes it would seem to appear after heavy rain, sometimes not. Just no rhyme or reason to it. Well, it, it finally got bad enough that we realized we had to do something to it. We had to somehow figure it out. And so, long story short, what we discovered is that the source of that leak was nowhere near that light switch. Nowhere near it. It, it was coming from a water pipe that was just underneath one of the upstairs bedrooms, just underneath the floor of one of the upstairs bedrooms that had inadvertently somehow been you know, barely punctured during the construction of the house. And that water was coming out of the pipe and just you know, slowly making its way, wandering its way, having a good old time as it made its way, and it's made its way down to that light switch. <laughs> it was crazy. More than 30 feet at least that it traveled. But that's the nature of water, is it not? I mean, water it seemingly can go everywhere, can go anywhere. That's the way water works in our bodies, too. We, 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 it wanders its way down our throats and finds its way into all the necessary parts of our body that needs water. And guess what? That's what Jesus does for our souls as well. What did he say? Whoever believes in me and Scripture, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit. You see, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you invite him into your heart and life, he that is the living water in the person of his spirit, just like water in your physical body, makes his way into every nook and cranny of your heart and soul. Come to me and drink, Jesus said. You see, whatever you drink from the fountain of Jesus will be in you. All the, the love and joy and peace that live in him can be in you by the presence of his soul-thirst-quenching spirit as much as you want to drink. You see, you see that's, that's the only condition, the only condition. It, it, you do have to drink. You have to choose to drink. In his book entitled Awareness, Anthony DeMello tells the story of a group of friends <clears throat> who were on a raft on the Amazon River, near, and, and they got marooned, ultimately got marooned on the, off the coast of Brazil. What happened was they're going down the Amazon, traveling not too far away from the mouth of the river, and somehow in rough water lost their paddles and, and were pushed by the river out into the ocean adrift with no way to call for help. I mean, they had no food, and, they had, and, they, and worst of all, they had no water, and the heat was intense. I mean, at one point, a cloud came, you know, came, came over them, and they had a, a tarp there in, in the raft, and they stretched that tarp out, hoping they could catch just a little bit of rainwater that would provide a little bit for them to be able to drink. But what they didn't know is that for about 100 miles around the mouth of the Amazon, that same powerful flow that pushed them out of the mouth and into the ocean, 
also pushes fresh water from the river out into the ocean while at the same time pushing back the salt water. They were totally clueless to the fact that all they had to do was to lean over the side of the raft and drink and drink. Friends, all you need to do is drink. Jesus is always within our reach. We just have to choose to drink. Heed the thirst of your soul. Acknowledge that thirst and drink from him. Don't keep on pretending that you're not thirsty. Think about it for a moment. Are there signs of spiritual dehydration in your life right now? Are there? And what are you drinking? You know, physically, there are actually some drinks that that make you thirstier. Uh, Alcohol, for example, is a diuretic that makes you lose fluids. Sugary drinks and sodas actually prevent the body from absorbing water. You have to be careful about what you drink physically for good hydration to take place. But you also have to be careful about what you drink spiritually. Because our adversary, the devil, is always on the prowl to convince you to drink that which is not good, to drink, to convince you to drink something other than Jesus, to try to quench your thirst. Jeremiah 2.13, the Lord declared, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns, that cannot hold water. A drink of pornography late tonight may seem to quench your thirst for a moment, But tomorrow morning, you'll wake up very dry. An illicit relationship may seem to quench your thirst for a moment. But you'll wake up tomorrow very, very dry. Alcohol, drugs, even winning the Powerball lottery. I was reading an article the other day of a man from Iowa who had won millions in a lottery in in Iowa, and his statement was this. He said, if you were unhappy before you won all that money, you will be unhappy after you win all that money. (laughs) See, all those things satisfy for only a few fleeting moments and then are followed by dryness, extreme spiritual drought. Friends, the devil is slick, slick. Not to mention the fact that the Bible says our own hearts can be very deceitful as well. You have to choose to quench your thirst only with what is good for you. And there is only one who truly quenches that spiritual thirst, and that one is our Lord Jesus Christ. Choose to drink Jesus and when Jesus says, come to him and drink, he's not talking about some, just a one-time event. 
He's talking about an ongoing daily pattern of relationship with him that is intimate and personal. So much so that at any given point, in any given day, you might find yourself saying, Lord, I, I'm feeling that anger again. I, I, I must be thirsty. I, I need to take a drink. Lord, I'm feeling that terrible jealousy again. Lord, I'm feeling that, that terrible resentment again. I must be thirsty. Lord, I need to take a drink. The drink of Jesus is to abide in him. It's to remain, to stay, to continuously interact with him. To be continuously aware of him and knowing that he's aware of you. It's staying in communion with Jesus throughout the day. You see, drink of Jesus. And as you do so, don't overlook that promise that he gives. Did you catch that? Again, he says, rivers of living water will flow from within you. You see, not only will you receive of his love and joy and peace and so much more, but the rivers that flow out of you will be the means of bringing what you have found in Christ to others. If you want to be used by Christ to reach thirsty family members, to reach thirsty friends, to reach thirsty neighbors, to reach thirsty co-workers, to reach, reach a thirsty community, drink of the Lord Jesus Christ. Drink more of him. He is an inexhaustible fountain. And what you receive, you will be able to give. Christ will both fill you and flow out of you to others. See, drink of Christ and you will be a blessing to a thirsty community. You know, let me conclude with the same question that I asked near the beginning. Are you thirsty? Are you? Some of you may be thinking, yes. You just don't understand. You just don't understand, yes, how, how dry, how dry my soul is. You have no idea. And it has been that way for so, so long. I mean, the idea of spiritual hydration just seems completely impossible. Beloved, water can bring life to the very driest. Back in, 19, in the 1960s, date palm seeds were found by archaeologists who were excavating a historical site in Israel called Masada, which is near the southern end of the Dead Sea. You can still visit that place today. It's, it's pretty amazing. It's a fortress that was built by Herod the Great around 35 B.C. and then was ultimately besieged and destroyed by the Romans in A.D. 73. <clears throat> in 2005, that is, about 2,000 years... <laughs> Afterward, a, science, a scientist named Sarah Salon planted and watered one of those 2,000-year-old date palm seeds. And this is what happened. Look at this picture. It is my pleasure to introduce to you Methuselah. 
<laughs> which is now over 10 feet tall. 10 feet tall. <laughs> Having grown, <laughs> not just from a dry seed, but from a 2,000-year-old dry seed. Beloved, there is no soul that is so dry that the living water of Jesus Christ cannot rehydrate, revive, regenerate, renew, and replenish. Come to Jesus and drink all you can, all you can. Let's pray. Father, we, um, we, we just simply pause to give you great, great thanks for all that you do for us through the living water of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, it's my simple prayer this morning that if there be anyone here who has never, who has never drunk from the living water, who has never taken a drink from Jesus, that this would be the day that their hearts are hydrated with the living water of Him. And Father, if there be those this morning that find themselves in that place we just spoke about, of having once drunk of that living water, but yet allowed their souls to become so dry, Dry to the point that they are wondering today, can, can, could I ever be truly rehydrated again? Lord, bless as they drink anew of the living water of Christ. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.